the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Some international groups now calling on President Biden to share extra COVID-19 vaccines with the rest of the world. President Biden has repeatedly said he wants to make sure all Americans can get a COVID-19 shot. His administration has bought millions more doses than there are people in the United States. The surplus is expected to reach into the hundreds of millions of doses in the coming months. Meanwhile, a large COVID-19 trial is underway involving 12,000 college students at more than 20 universities. Dr. Anthony Fauci says scientists are trying to answer the two most pressing questions for millions of Americans already fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Whether vaccinated people get infected asymptomatically, and if they do, do they transmit the infection to others? And that report from White House correspondent Greg Cluxton. This is SRN News. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and -and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-482-8399. 800-482-8399. That's 800 482 You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Yes! And long last, 
Where's your hat? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. We're waiting. It's the King Banyan Show. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Thank you very little. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Let's go while we're young. Welcome back. Second hour of the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. As I mentioned in the first hour, um... I have ties with two different portraits on him, one Adam Smith, the other Milton Friedman. And my guest now uh, reminds me of uh, my Friedman tie, um, which is, uh, his name is Stephen uh, Sokup. Uh, he is the author of the new book, The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, uh, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, out from Encounter Books. Um, so, so. St- uh, uh, Mr. Sokup, welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Uh, look, I I want to. I've set this up in a certain way, and I've got some particular questions about a, a, a new column you wrote uh, for uh, National Review just this past week. I did not. We did not arrange this before I saw that column, but that column was like, oh, I'm so glad I've got this person here now because <laughs> my gosh, I. This is one of these things I've been I've been trying to think about for some time. I'm going to jump to the middle of the book, and then we'll go back to we'll go back to the beginning and and try okay. to uh, and try to give people. But can you explain to my listeners what is ESG investing and why it has taken off over the last? It just feels like it's just grown like well, because I'm going to be impolite about this. It's grown like kudzu over the last ten years. Yep. ESG uh, stands for Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Investing. Uh, And and what ESG is, is the successor uh, investment uh, trend to what used to be called socially responsible investing. Uh, Socially responsible investing uh, was an investment theme that grew out of the student protests against the apartheid government of South Africa. Um, Students would protest and ask their schools to divest uh, for companies that did business in South Africa. Um, And that eventually developed into a broader uh, investment offering. Um, And and what socially responsible investment was, was a way for uh, investors, any investors, right, left, uh, in the middle, apolitical, uh, to invest so that their values were reflected in their portfolio. Um, it allowed them to sleep at night knowing that um, their values were being uh, taken care of and that they did not have investments in companies that did things that they would oppose. Um, it, it was a benign, uh, voluntary system uh, where everybody could do what they wanted to do. If they're willing to give up a percentage of their return on investment, they could they could have, uh, as I said, they could they could have this peace of conscience. Um, ESG, the successor, is is similar in theory, uh, but much more aggressive and much more more coercive in practice. Uh, the way ESG works is um, instead of simply allowing investors to choose companies 
that reflect their beliefs. Uh, activist investors uh, are trying to what change the way companies behave. Uh, if there is a company that practices uh, certain things, or engages in certain business practices, or in fact engages in an industry uh, that these activist investors find uh, problematic, uh, they will use their power uh, as uh, basically as the most aggressive shareholders uh, to try and push change on the companies. And that includes changing the bylaws of the company, uh, changing the directors of the company, changing management of the company. Uh, and, and this has become a very uh, sort of coercive way uh, to get what you want uh, politically uh, through the capital markets. Um, it has become the hottest investment trend for a couple of reasons. First, because um, it has shown over the past few years to be uh, not, it, it is not cost anybody uh, anything with respect to return on investment. Uh, so there's a claim now that this, that you can, have your cake and eat it too, that you can invest for social purposes and not hurt uh, your return on investment, which is more a function of uh, the way the markets are right now than, than actual ESG. But the other reason it's become popular is because it's a way for people to feel good uh, about what they're doing uh, with their money um, while making a profit. It, it's basically grace on the cheap. Okay. So let, so, so um, I hope you don't mind me calling you Stephen. Um, Okay. Uh, I am. So let's separate two pieces of this because I think this gets somewhat to your to the larger point you're making in the dictatorship of woke capital. Um, if so, I'm a university professor, or at least I I was until they, until they were stupid enough to make me a dean. Uh, and they and 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 you know, uh, so like most university professors, we get we get our investment opportunities through TIAA CREF. Okay, right. uh, and there's always been for as long as I've been doing this, and I'm a I'm a sixty plus year old uh, 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 academic. Uh, there's always been a, a social fund in T, in in CREF, uh, social account that always would invest. Would say we're not going to invest in things, and they're the usual litany of left things. And they were big in the South Africa divestment movement back back in the eighties, and and so on. If if I thought about that, what it meant to me was, well, that means that there are people that are not investing and offering the stocks cheaper to for me to buy tobacco stocks or defense stocks or so forth. And to me, to me, there's there's actually an opportunity as an investor to look at that and say, well, I have a chance to buy something for less that's out of favor. I don't care what they do. I just want to make sure that the at the end of the year their earnings per share is enough to pay the dividend, and to give me maybe a little price appreciation too. That'd be nice. Um, so, what's different now in the ESG world? Is it just simply that they're hot because no one can find a difference in the rate of return between ESG funds and those that are indiscriminate about where they put their money? Well, that's a big part of it. Uh, the, the investment environment uh, since the, the crash of 2008 has been so accommodative, uh, you know, the Fed has been so accommodative, uh, that it's hard to lose money. Um, and uh, so there's no cost whatsoever to injecting uh, politics uh, into capital markets. 
um, at least at this point, given, you know, given how freely funds are flowing. Um, I, I compare this uh, a little bit uh, to the concept of the bezel, uh, which comes from John Kenneth Galbraith's great little book, uh, The Great Crash, 1929. Uh, yeah. And Galbraith, uh, the bezel was the amount of undiscovered embezzlement or, or corruption that existed in a system uh, during a bull market or during boom times. Um, and when uh, money is flowing freely, this bezel increases. Uh, when there's a crash, uh, when money becomes less available, uh, then the bezel decreases because uh, corporations are forced to um, perform more effectively uh, and to look uh, and, and to seek uh, more aggressively to seek funding. Um, in our current environment, this this political bezel um, where you can inject politics into the system without it having any ramifications just grows and grows and grows. Uh, and since the Federal Reserve doesn't allow us to have bear markets or doesn't allow us to have uh, even recessions anymore, uh, there's nothing to cleanse this. Uh, so it, it continues to grow and grow and grow. Uh, and, and people have come to believe that markets only go up and it doesn't matter what they do to or with these corporations, that they will always make a profit, uh, that they will always increase uh, their share value. Uh, and so I, I think that there is, in fact, this, this idea, this mistaken idea that um, they can do whatever they want with corporations and it won't hurt them. Yeah, so there's no I, – I, I love this this thing you're saying. Saying, By the way, it's probably the first time on this show someone has used the name John Kenneth Galbraith in, a, in an approving fashion that I agree with. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> and, 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 I agree. That's, that's his one contribution. Yeah, it's it. It's actually a very underrated good book. Uh, yeah. the, the book about the depression. It, it actually is a very good book. Um, but I was going to say, I um, what I appreciate about about that comment is is that it used to be that if you wanted to engage in social investing, you kind of knew. I mean, they are almost. I, some of the funds were kind of open about the fact you're going to make a little bit less, but you're going to feel really good at night about the fact that you've invested only in the the purest of places. And that that's exactly. now that now seems to be lost. I I I bring this up, Stephen, because I I I I did a presentation. I do I do presentations uh, in the financial community here in Minnesota pretty regularly. And one week I get one quarter because we do a quarterly report and we have a presentation around around every report. One quarter I have a guy in the room looks like looks like your your average fellow from who would be in the next to last pew in the back of the nearby lutheran church um seems like a really good guy business suit and all that just get up and say well if you're not investing in esg you're just not getting great returns and and my reaction was just the reaction i had you know about you know thinking about my Kreft social account Right. If my Kreft social, which, by the way, I do not I do not invest in the Kreft social account, but um, uh, uh, and never did. But the my reaction was, that's not how those things are supposed to work. And then so I went and looked and it's like, you're you are right, Stephen Sokup. That has turned out not to be a costly activity. And you're right, I think. And I and I didn't know you were going to make this point, but you did it so well. I think it's because money is so free. Nobody thinks there's a cost to investing in these things. Right. Yeah, as long as people believe that markets always and only go up, 
then they won't believe there's a cost in uh, the way they treat corporations and the way they treat markets. Uh, the other thing that plays into this, though, is that um, a typical ESG portfolio looks almost exactly like your typical tech-heavy portfolio. Uh, you know, the top five companies held in actively managed ESG portfolios are, you know, Apple and Facebook and Amazon. And uh, so it, 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 there's nothing particularly ESG about most ESG portfolios. Yeah, and I, I, I that's that isn't that interesting. And I think actually I, I need to take a break here, Stephen. But when we come back, I want to pivot from this to the how do businesses all you know how do businesses represent themselves as ESG and attract these these monies into their accounts now? Because I think that is sort of the bigger question within your book, The Dictatorship of Woke Capital. We're visiting with its author, author Stephen Sokup, here. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Traveling in a fight Over zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple too. Listen to the Biz 1440 on the free radio.com app. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com HR. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com HR. That's BambooHR.com HR. If you're a radio listener, one thing I'm certain of is that you're not tuning in to listen to me. So I'm sorry about the next 45 seconds. But we have specifically chose this station because we think we're similar and we'd love for you to see why our mortgage team might be a good fit for you or someone you care about. One, we've got a direct lender advantage. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender. There's no middleman, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate saving you monthly and lifelong money. Two, our faith is a big deal to us, and we're open about that. If we seem like a fit for you, we'd love to talk. We are United Faith Mortgage. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. Nice. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Meadow Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1330. Ryan Rack, Animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Need special boots for a new job but don't know where to start? Step into Red Wing Shoes, where their friendly footwear experts can help you find the right style and size. Red Wing takes the time to learn about your job and measure your feet to get the perfect fit. Red Wing specializes in no-pressure one-on-one service. Stop into their stores in Circle Pines, Columbia Heights, Coon Rapids, Bloomington, and St. Cloud. 
Can't make it into the store? Ask your workplace about their shoe trucks where they bring the store to you. Red Wing Shoes. Work is our work. Listen to the King Banyan Show Saturday mornings at 9 here on the Biz 1440. It's the latest economic news, trade information, your monthly jobs report, and much more. Join us this Saturday morning live on the Biz 1440. Mistake? Welcome back. King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Stephen Sokup, our uh, guest this hour. Um, not sure how long how long I have him, but, uh, but let me go. Let me, let's go backwards a little bit. So we've we've explained in the last segment about uh, ESG investing. But first of all, before I go before I do the backwards step, uh, Stephen, tell us a little bit about the Political Forum Institute and 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 what it is you do. Well, uh, the Political Forum, uh, my little company, is an independent research provider uh, primarily for institutional investors. Um, I started out in the business uh, about 25 years ago in the Washington Research Office of Prudential Securities, uh, working for uh, Mark Melcher, who was the number one institutional investor-rated Washington analyst for about eight straight years, I believe. we spent a couple. We spent probably five years working together at Prudential, uh, then went and spent a couple years at Lehman, and then decided that uh, the large uh, financial services investment bank model uh, wasn't for us. That we weren't allowed to tell our clients uh, the truth about uh, what we saw happening and why it was important. And, and in particular, we left Lehman because they wouldn't allow us to, to speak about what we saw going on in China. Um, so the political forum has been in existence for uh, a little over 18 years. Um, we're one of the granddaddies of independent research, uh, and you know we continue to muddle through in this this you know strange financial services world uh, that continues to change. The political forum institute uh, is our newly formed and sort of fledgling uh, educational um, operation, our, our nonprofit educational arm uh, that is dedicated primarily to uh, advancing ideas and building community, uh, particularly among those who earn their living in the capital markets. Beautiful. Well, that's very interesting. You and So you folks have a website. Um, I'll make sure we get it put out on Twitter after, after uh, the show's over this morning. I want to make sure that people visit it. Uh, it's very important. But the, the, this book, and I mean, it's got a title that is kind of a provocative title, Stephen, uh, The Dictatorship of Woke Capital. And I mentioned Friedman before. Let me, you sound like you probably know where I'm going with this without me having to say it, but for the audience, uh, for the audience sake, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going in a direction that is unexpected. I grew up, I grew up, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm what's referred to now apparently as a Claire monster. Um, although I was in the economics program, not in the political science, not in the government program at Claremont. And I, I had, I had to spend some time, uh, grasping and grappling with what Friedman, what Milton Friedman had to say about the responsibility of businesses, which was very strong statement. Okay. The responsibility of businesses first and foremost to its shareholders. Um, and what, I, when I read the 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 precy for the, the summary for the dictatorship of woke capital, your new book, 
what I see is is a is in some sense a perversion of that, which is something that's been happening for forty to fifty years. Um, uh, you know, and it has been debated and gets argued about. Uh, I still have arguments with people about this. But what you're describing in this book is sort of a new way in which it seems like uh, not just owners of, of capital, the, 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 the boards of directors of these larger corporations, but activist investors are super involved in trying to change and maybe even manipulate the behavior of businesses in terms of how it regards political issues that sometimes seem tangential to shareholder value. Have I grasped that correctly? Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Uh, and in fact, uh, you, there's, there's quite a bit in, in the middle section of the book, there's quite a bit on Milton Friedman uh, and what's come to be known as the Friedman Doctrine uh, and the way that this and the response, you know, the way that the doctrine and the response to it uh, are, form the foundation of, of this debate that we're in right now. Um, you know, Friedman's, Friedman's basic point uh, about uh, shareholder supremacy uh, was a, you know, his, his uh, model was essentially a modern reinterpretation uh, of the parable of the talents. It was a strictly normative uh, model that if someone gives you their money, if somebody provides you with resources, that it is your absolute responsibility to shepherd those those resources uh, fairly, justly, uh, and to their interest. Uh, and if you do not do that, then you are violating uh, the trust that they've placed in you. Um, he doesn't, Friedman doesn't say anything about how you're supposed to go about uh, behaving responsibly. He doesn't say anything about what you have to do, what you don't have to do. He certainly doesn't say that you should destroy the environment to protect your shareholders. It's strictly a, a, a normative proposal that if somebody trusts you with their resources, that you have a responsibility to deal with them uh, appropriately. Right. So let's take what, just one of the most recent examples that I know will cause some cause some hairs to stand on end, which is the the stories about Coca Cola and its uh, desire and its desire to provide training for uh, training about um, about. Uh, uh, critical race theory to its uh, employees and its statements about its statements about CRT to to folks just to take one example of that when i decided to buy coca cola for my to put in my kids portfolio for their college account i bought it because i wanted my child to understand that behind the can of coke that that she wanted to drink there was also a company that produces it and to spend some time thinking about that to me, Stephen, that's different. If I if I had bought her a social, you know, a social fund or even an ESG fund, we would be having a different con- conversation. I bought Coca Cola because I just think it's a great brand, and I wanted to have a piece of the profit stream from the brand. Is it, 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 to me that that's that gets at the Friedman issue, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it does. And it, unfortunately. What we've seen over the last 50 years, which was sort of inevitable given uh, the historical trends uh, in our society, is that we've we've seen a uh, 
an adoption of a different uh, moral code and a different uh, normative model for what uh, is con- what should be considered uh, ethical corporate behavior. Um, and, and no longer is it directed specifically uh, toward the end of producing a fine product uh, for customers, um, treating workers fairly, uh, and making a profit for shareholders. It's, it's directed more uh, at aggressive political and social ends uh, that includes justice for the environment or, and racial justice and environmental justice uh, and, you know, all sorts of ideas that are external to the traditional business model uh, that have been injected into this uh, discussion uh, simply because we, we've seen this change uh, in the belief system uh, as to what now uh, accounts or what now counts as ethical behavior in corporations. So, and let's be let's be clear about this, so, because it almost immediately happens that after this, after you say something like that, Stephen, or if I say something like like what was in my question, people immediately say, "Well, you just believe that that corporations should be unfettered in their ability to make profits for shareholders." I don't think I believe that. I don't, I know I don't believe that. I don't think you do either. No, I, I don't believe that either. And and then neither did Milton Friedman. I mean, if. if you know, there's there's the one sentence that uh, every you know Klaus Schwab quotes every time uh, that he wishes to try to uh, set Friedman up uh, as the bad guy, um, and and part of the the thing that they do is they ignore uh, the last part of the sentence, which is within societal norms uh, and within the law. Um, you know, make most the most profit for the shareholders within those bounds. Um, you know, even even Friedman acknowledged that. I mean. It's important to understand that if you're going to be a successful company, that you can't, you know, burn villages and uh, destroy the environment. You have to steward the resources uh, that you utilize as well. But successful businessmen know this. To be told this, uh, you know, sort of condescendingly from the outside uh, is uh, not just insulting, but it, it ends up being destructive uh, to the function of corporations as well. Right. So let's distinguish between two different things. So because at this point, some people will say, yes, but, you know, businesses manipulate Washington. You're 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 in this area where you're providing advice about what's happening in Washington to investors and businesses are looking to the kind of work that you do to sort of say what's happening here. And businesses are investing, of course, in lobbying. We see all kinds of such investments. Is there a way to distinguish in the Friedman concept between being involved in Washington as a corporation in a way that would be still within the rules of the game and and still in support of uh, open and free competition, as Friedman put after saying the, the saying what he said about the the role of the the, the role of uh, the business? Yeah, well, unfortunately, in uh, a, a a state such as ours, you know, a a modern uh, bureaucratic state, if a corporation is going to compete, it has to at least uh, participate uh, in the regulatory process in trying to protect its interests uh, from the government. So, being involved in Washington is is not 
uh, a sin on the corporation's part. Um, if there's anyone to blame for this, it, it's government for making it necessary for corporations to do that. Uh, but uh, government, it would be uh, a violation of fiduciary responsibility on the part of a corporate manager if they weren't involved uh, in Washington, because Washington plays such an important role uh, in the way corporations function today. So, yeah, I, I think that certainly um, there's a distinction to be drawn between corporations that are just trying to get by and to manage government as opposed to corporations that are trying to manipulate government uh, to achieve their specific social and political ends. This is where, where I could take off for another hour talking about rent-seeking behavior. And, yep. and, and that, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go there because I want to make sure that we've we've asked you about your thing. I, I need. To, can you stay a little bit longer? I. I there's a, there's two more questions I have for you after after this yep, break. Happy to stay as long as you want me. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. We're visiting with Stephen Sokup of the uh, the Political Forum. His new book, The Dictatorship of Woke Capital. We're discussing right now here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. The heart is a bloom. Mistakes, little mistakes, big mistakes, monumental mistakes, they all matter. When they're made in regard to your retirement, though, they can be disastrous. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. The guys are going to share with you common mistakes that retirees make that can derail your retirement. Make sure you listen so you can keep your retirement on track. To find out more, listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on The Biz 1440, or call them at 855-231-6010. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. At Salem Media Group, we are looking for sales professionals with a rare blend of talent and skill to be a part of our community. First, you know beyond any doubt that sales is your thing. And while your current situation may not embody this ideal, you are still committed to the consultative process, a sales method that incorporates creativity and partnership deeply rooted in a matchmaker philosophy. Second, you truly are a fanatic about prospecting. You love the hunt. You think about new business all the time and always have your antennas up for leads that make sense. And third, you are what we at Salem Media Group call an appointment procurement professional. That's right. You're skilled and adept at gaining a face-to-face audience with key decision makers to investigate win-win opportunities. If this threefold identity describes you, call me, Nick Anderson, General Manager at 651-289-4408 or visit us at am1280thepatriot.com. American pressure. Pressure. 
Pressure pumps and parts to get the job done. Pro pressure washers and the Arctic steamer. Our service and selection is second to none. Professional quality from the proven leader. AmericanPressureInc.com. American Pressure. Welcome back to King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Um, spending a little, little extra time uh, this morning with uh, Stephen Suckup. Uh, he is the author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business. Um, and Stephen's been our guest this hour, and I want to thank you for, for joining us, Stephen. Uh, look, I, I was interested in this book in part because and and when a uh, little background of how how these interviews happen there are people that will send us uh send us some information about a, an author who might be might be looking for a chance to talk about their book and so i got this steven here's the paragraph that won me uh just so that you can give this back to your to your publicist and say hey this was well done uh over the course of the past two years or or so a small handful of politicians on the right senators tom cotton marco rubio and josh hawley begun to sense that something is wrong i'm going to skip forward while the intention of high profile politicians to the issue is welcome to date the solutions they have proposed are inadequate for a variety of reasons steven Sokup. Could you elaborate on what those reasons are and why you don't think uh, Senators Cotton, Rubio, and Hawley necessarily are on the right track in trying to address the, uh, the this behavior of uh, American corporations? Well, I, I think the biggest problem is that they believe that there uh, is a political, a narrow political solution uh, to this issue uh, for the long term, uh, and, and this is not a political issue. Uh, per se, this is a a much broader. This is a social. This is a moral. This is uh, uh, an economic. Uh, this is you know a very broad issue. Uh, and so when they offer solutions or they offer ideas, or <clears throat> in the case of Tom Cotton's speech uh, on the floor of the Senate in 2019, that gives uh, my book the title. Um, what they they only seem to be willing to address a portion a, a small portion of the problem um, i'm not sure if it's because they're not aware of the larger problem uh, or if it's just that they see this as you know a, a the only part of the problem that is uh, solvable politically um, the the biggest issue i think is that this is an enormous problem uh, that goes far beyond the scope of what most people believe or what most people expect when you tell them, you know, we're, we're going to talk about woke capital, we're going to talk about political correctness in business. Uh, that people don't understand just how deep, how pervasive, and how broad uh, this subject really is. And even I didn't. When I started writing the book, uh, you know, I compare it to the proverbial onion where you peel a layer and there's another layer and you peel that layer. And there's another layer. It goes on and on and on. And, and it's so uh, it's so pervasive in our uh, financial system uh, and in American business generally 
uh, that it, it's sort of difficult to wrap your head around, even if you're not trying to score political points at the same time. All right. So I 100% agree with that. Um, I don't I, I don't know if what my listeners, most of my listeners know. I used to be a state legislator and I spent time mm-hmm. in the politi- so I spent a little time in politics. Um, I came back to academia because I thought I thought this was where the mission field is. And I and you just you mentioned uh, during our first segment the the creation of the political forum institute which 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 was for educational purposes. Is that the answer? Is the is the an- I, I, I want you to say yes because it, it makes me feel like I'm in the right place. Uh, right? But, uh, and it's also why we do the radio show. We do this show as uh, this show is meant to be educational. And I want to thank you, Stephen, before before I have you answer this last question. I want to thank you for being here because you're helping our listeners understand how pervasive this issue is. It's my sense that the way to fix this is a is a generational issue that we have to address the next generation of business leaders to to basically stand up um to this pressure uh to participate in the political in the political sphere when they there are ways in which you know where yes they may have to but they shouldn't make it part of their they shouldn't use their personal political preferences to be come what the business does what it, where where are we going to find a solution here if you think that that the solutions being offered by the right the political right are insufficient to solve the problem well i i think that when we talk about solutions we have to divide it up uh into a couple different categories the first is what can you do today how can you uh address this issue in your own life? How can you make a difference? Um, and, and that's going to involve uh, a little bit of work on every person, individual person's part. You're going to have to make themselves aware of the problem, uh, what's causing it, uh, why it's being caused, and, and what the net effects are. And then they're going to have to uh, make changes in their everyday life uh, to help push back against this. They're going to have to basically, what I say, take back what is yours. And mostly what that means, take back uh, what is your right as a shareholder uh, to control the way that your uh, investments are directed. Um, The bigger issue as far as uh, solving this issue or solving this problem is, as you said, generational. Uh, The first half of the book is a history of how this came about. Uh, and among other things, this uh, in, involved in this is the uh, post World War One cultural left's decision to take uh, what Rudy Duchke called the long march through the institutions. Um, they made that march. Uh, they made it successfully, uh, and now they're reaping the rewards of that march. If we're going to push back, if we're going to say, hey, look, this is a mistake, uh, this is something we need to correct, we need to make our own long march back through those institutions. Uh, And as to your question as to whether or not you should be uh, back in academia, I think you're in both of the right places, academia and media, because those are two of the institutions uh, that were taken that we need to take back. Um, And and so uh, I I think that this this is going to be, uh, a long slog in order to win back our culture from those who would who would weaponize uh, the politicization uh, of um, 
capital markets against us. Uh, and, and so it, it's going to be a long, very difficult movement that we have to sort of dedicate ourselves to. I can't, I can't summarize it any better than that. Stephen Soga, thank you so much. The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, his book, just out from Encounter Books last month. I encourage you to go find it. It's, a, it's available in most places. Uh, Stephen, thank you. I hope we can have you back sometime soon. I enjoyed this conversation. Happy to come back whenever you'd like me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be thank back you. right after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. The Biz fourteen forty KYCR Golden Valley. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of two thousand eighteen, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matamidai. I got a hold of JTR through friends. It almost looked like uh, a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it, but there were other things that needed addressing, and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and, and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window needs. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term providers help thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. Want to enroll your child in Christian school this fall for half the cost? TwinCitiesTuitions.com is joined with area private schools to offer half-off tuition for your child's first year. At TwinCitiesTuitions.com, you'll see our partnering schools, an interactive map to find one in your area, and frequently asked questions about the program. Now more than ever, it's important for your child to have a biblical worldview. Get details about the half-off Christian tuition program at TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to the Biz 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide.
is a burning thing. And it makes There's a version of this song. Brian, I've probably done this with uh, a couple other of my producers over the years. Whenever they play this, all I can think of is the Wall of Voodoo version is better. Okay, and if you have no idea what I'm speaking of there, it's about, oh gosh, when did they make it? Oh, I want to say it's it's late '80s, but um, there's a version done by a by a uh, I wouldn't call them punk, but uh, very much in that that sharp California sound from the late '80s, uh, uh, mid '80s, uh, sort of a, around the time of the Dead Kennedys and, and 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 like that. If you find it ever, it's it it's absolutely fabulous to listen to. Wall of Voodoo. All they're right. the people that also they all they're the people that did Mexican radio, which you it's a song you might know. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, I I'm gonna t- I, first of all, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you. For, I want to thank Stephen Suckup for for being with us. Dictatorship of woke capital. I think it's an important book. I think I think understanding how we train future leaders, both in the business world and in in where I work in the, in the in working with people who are serving in the public interest. We all serve in the public interest, but I try to train people who are public interested who will work in the private sector as well as in the public sector. That's what I do, and I do consider I do consider what I do here, and, and including on this show, as being part of the mission field of, of what I want to do. And it's why, it, it is indeed why when people ask me, why won't you ever run for the legislature again? Why won't you go back into politics? It's because I can do more with what I'm doing now and where I am now. It's why I'm privileged, really, to be able to speak to you over over a microphone and and through the airwaves and through the internet in what we do here. It's it's it, it is what what I feel like is much more what I think I'm being asked to do than to go sit in a legislature or in a committee room or somebody's office and say, will you pass, you know, uh, House File 1234 for me. Um, I also want to, I also like talking about about the economy, the economics. And I was talking with Brian. First of all, Brian, I just found out, I just found out earlier this morning, was a St. Cloud State grad. Um, Graduated from our mass comm program, Brian, uh, back. uh, And the interesting part, the reason I bring this up is, Brian, you graduated in May of 2020, correct? Yep, that's correct. And you actually came for your your commencement exercise, which would have been in August. Um, I actually didn't go to that. Um, You did not? No, because, you know, uh, I live an hour and a half away, and... um, it was just it was just kind of a strange time because people were still you know at home. Um, I know I'm pretty sure like the at home mandate was still in effect, and I was talking to a lot of my friends that I graduated with, and I was saying, "Are you guys going to go up there and actually walk for commencement?" And all of them said, "No, um, just going to wait on my diploma and get it mailed to me." So it was kind of a weird experience, if you ask me. But sure. So so. Brian, I, what I want to ask you, and why I asked you to to open up your microphone, is to talk about the process by which you looked for work. Because when you graduate, you you actually t- 
told me uh, before the show that you had actually started your job search process, as we advise all our students to do. We tell them you should be starting on this six to nine months before you graduate. In fact, you should start thinking about where you're going to work well before that. But you were probably pretty heavily into that process somewhere in 2019. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I was, it was my first semester back as a senior and I wasn't really applying for jobs up until like September of 2019. And, uh, you know, I was just shooting my resume off just everywhere, off Indeed, ZipRecruiter, all these, uh, you know, job websites, job boards. And then right around, I would say late February, March, I was in the interview process for two jobs and um, they seemed like a for sure thing. Like they both like me. They I killed the interview process. And then right when everything kind of shut down and we were forced to stay home, I got emails back from both my jobs uh, that I was interviewing with. And they said, you know, we're on hold for right now, but, you know, email us back in six months and we can, you know, regroup with the process again. But then again, I never heard back from them, which kind of sucks. But Yeah. So I, that was my next question. Did either of them ever contact you? The answer is no. Okay. Yeah. Um, I so so somehow though you keep sending resumes out and eventually you you land here at Salem. Uh, and and uh, and how long have you been with Salem? Um, since October. So okay. Yeah. Okay. So decent amount of time. Yeah, it's good. And and. And very happy, but we we so we have a at at St. Cloud State a a, a good uh, a a great mass com program, nationally recognized mass com program. Indeed, uh, there'll be St. Cloud State students working. Um, I think some of them. Am I right? Uh, you may know, Brian. Did some of them actually have to go out to? Uh, they're in Albany, right, uh, for the uh, hockey game. Um. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got some people there. I I. I I know that down. So I'm in the same building as where the where where the uh, radio station is and where all the production equipment is for for St. Cloud State's uh, uh, mass com programs. Uh, they're they're two they're two and three floors below me. Um, that's going to be a pretty busy place when I go to leave the building. Uh, whenever I do after the show this morning. Um, but my point my point in, in raising this with Brian is not is to point out there's still a lot of pent up demand. The number one thing happening, and Brian's not one of these statistics, but but the number one thing I see right now as being the concern for the economy is in, in the state of Minnesota, the number of people actually in the labor force, either working or looking for work actively at this point, is down 3.7% year over year, right? And a lot of them are Brian's former classmates who, you know, were looking for work, maybe had jobs lined up. I have stories of, of students who were graduating with master's degrees uh, who were ready to go to a job and then be, were told, well, we're not really open right now, and, well, we'll call you back. And it's the same story as Brian. They're not getting the call back. Um some of them persisted and found other places. Some of them are waiting, and some of them are some of them are just frustrated and are like, "Well, I, I'll I'll figure it out later. I can I can stay I can stay with mom and dad right now." And that's a you know when we talk about the, you know the people who are out of the labor force, 
This is a factor in that. And my point is, once you've opened up these vaccines for wide distribution, the the speed with which folks like like Brian's classmates will come back into the labor force, I think is going to be significant. And it's going to be the story to watch. And all of this is a setup for the fact that next week is Job Saturday. Now, I think I've told the station, but I'm telling them now, and we'll we'll make sure that, that they all know, even though next week is, of course, Holy this coming week is Holy Week, and uh, Saturday is the day before Easter, we're going to be here because we have to do jobs. We have to do the Job Saturday show. And that's going to that's gonna happen next Saturday. We'll be here for that. Uh, in two weeks, uh, I have a very special book author coming in, someone that, that I've wanted to talk to for years and years, and she'll be with us on next Saturday. I'm going to keep her a secret for one more week, but I'll let you know next week. So you're going to want to be here. Brian, thank you for being with us today and, and for your production efforts. Uh, I, I'm glad we could get it all back on, back on square there at the end. Um, and, uh, and I want to thank once more Stephen Sokup for, uh, for being with us today as well. Thank you for listening. I wish you a blessed Holy Week, uh, and I will be with you next Saturday here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. This is a national health care alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket cost. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. Toll free at this number. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pair of diabetic socks as our special gift to you. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and have insurance, you may qualify to get free delivery of your supplies. 800-439-7409. 800-439-7409. That's 800-439-7409. I should have done it sooner. That's a comment heard often from satisfied patients at INeedMoreHair.com. Dennis Prager here. If you've been exploring solutions for your hair loss, go to INeedMoreHair.com and see what they're doing for men and women like you. The consultations are free and the results are amazing. You'll be under the care of some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in the country. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including notable Hollywood personalities, a full head of hair. They can do the same for you. Their technique is so advanced that their results are guaranteed in writing and their prices are the best in the business. If you have hair loss, don't put this off another day. Contact INeedMoreHair.com at their office in Egan for your free consultation. Experience you can trust, prices you can afford. Today is the day to get a permanent solution to your hair loss at INeedMoreHair.com. This is Alex Hartman, real estate agent at REMAX Results and ResultsByAlex.com, and I'm a Patriot listener just like you. Fake news swirls around us every day, but here is one current concrete fact. The real estate market is out of balance. There are generally way more buyers than there are sellers. If you have a property to sell, now is an ideal time. To maximize your profit, contact me today. My 38 years of experience is your assurance of a smooth transaction. 
And unlike one of those large real estate teams, when you contact me, you'll be working with me and only me from start to finish. So if you like the idea of working with a fellow loyal Patriot listener, if you like the idea of working with one real estate agent from start to finish, if you like the idea of working with an agent with decades of experience, then please contact me today. 651-334-5000. That's 651-334-5000. Or go to resultsbyalex.com. Together, we will maximize your 